Hello and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. This is a message given on Sunday morning, March 20th, 2022, by Tom Job from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 17. Okay, so I need to tell you all something. It's a little bit of, it's kind of a confession, but I read a thing this week. And it said that the moon was in the waxing gibbous phase. And I didn't know what that meant. So, and then I realized something. So gibbous, so the gibbous phase of the moon is, did y'all know what that meant? Okay, so it's when the moon is half the moon, when it starts to bulge out, that's gibbous. So, and waxing is when it's doing more. And waning is when it's doing less. I thought waxing and waning meant the same thing, but they don't. They're the opposite of each other. But, and then I realized that I didn't really know why the moon changes shape the way it does. Because when I was in middle school, I wasn't paying attention. And so I have some gaps in my cognitive registry and I know the Magna Carta is a thing. I don't exactly know what it was, but so um, I thought, so I thought the moon changes shape because it was like, you can't see it when it's on, when the earth is between the sun and the moon. No, it's the opposite. When the <laughs> And when the moon is between the earth and the sun, that's when you don't see it. And I didn't understand why. And so I watched a video about it and now I completely and totally understand it. But the, the, you wanna know another thing I don't understand is in three minutes, spring is going to start and the days are gonna be equal length and then the days are gonna get longer. I think I know what that's about, but I'm not perfectly sure. But, okay, so, but this is a thing that really got to me this week when I realized I don't, didn't know what you even call the moon when it does that stuff. But, um, I read the moon, I read some stuff about the moon. The moon is amazing. And we would be dead in a variety of ways if it wasn't for the moon. And I did not know that. It's the gravitational pull of the moon is what keeps the earth slanted at 23.7 degrees and it gives us temperatures that we can live in and they're not extreme and the other planets don't do that and they spin this way and they spin this way and they're wonky as all get out and ours is amazing for that and if we didn't have the moon the earth would spin 10 times faster than it does and there would be hurricane winds over the entire earth all the time and we would all be dead and if it wasn't for the moon there wouldn't be the tides and that's what takes like nutrients out into the ocean and it feeds everybody in the ocean and it's what keeps ocean currents going and the ocean circulation system and if it wasn't for that we would all be dead and so if, if it wasn't for the moon we would be dead like three times and I never I have never, I realized I had never deliberately thanked God for the moon. And I did this week for the first time in my entire life. And I'm embarrassed to say it, but I, but I did. And I just thought, 
thank like gratitude and thankfulness. Like I've just been thinking about it a lot because it's like an essential, it's an essential element of being a joyful person, which I really super want to be a joyful person. I was telling the guys out at the, um, out at the prison last Wednesday night, we had like such an awesome night, but I was talking to them about what Lent is. And I said, so Lent is, um, it's a time when Christians around the world are kind of like trying to refocus. And um, so some people to refocus, they give up something that's important to them. And there's always a list every year. And so like the number one thing for the last like 15 years has been social media is what people give up for Lent. And the second thing this year is gambling on your phone, like online gambling, which has become a big thing. And the third thing is alcohol. And I said, hey, for you guys out here, you're pretty much rocking Lent. I mean, like, cause you, y'all can't do any of that stuff. And I thought, you know, if somebody really wanted to, wanted to really do a Lent, they ought to get 40 days out there in the Morgan County prison. Cause it would help you a lot. But I was also telling them that for a lot of people, Lent is a time of being, um, it's just kind of a time of like self-affliction and being sad. And here's another confession. I've never been, I don't know. I've never been a super, big fan of Lent just because I understand this year more about it and what it means and it's meant more to me this year but I've just sometimes I think that there are people who love Jesus who think that being sad is holier than being joyful and I super don't believe that and I like Paul said in Philippians chapter one he said I'd rather be in heaven which is a lot better but I'm going to stay on earth as long as I have work to do and I know I do have work to do I'm going to work for your progress and joy in the faith like the only reason I'm on earth is y'all aren't happy enough so I'm going to be working on that because like if you if if a person believed what people who love Jesus actually do believe if we really really believed all of that, we would be like the most joyful people like in all the world. And people would look at you and say, what is it about you? I mean, like you're so, you're so happy all the time. You're joyful. Why are you that way? I mean, nobody's ever looked at someone and just said, you know, you are so mean and grumpy. What is your secret? Like, I would really like some of that. Like, I would like to know just like, like how to be more like you. I remember uh, Professor Howard Hendricks, he said, he said he met a guy one time and he said his face looked like it belonged on the frontispiece of the Book of Lamentations. And I said to him, I said, hey man, like, he said, hey man, are you a Christian? And he said, yeah, I'm a Christian. And he said, well, don't tell anybody because you'll sabotage the whole operation, you know, but the, but, um, so, so, I've been, about a couple of weeks ago, I finished reading through the Gospel of Luke, and I learned some things. So there, there's a word in the New Testament, uh, the Greek word, that's translated rejoicing. And it's found in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, three times. All three times are in the Gospel of Luke. And there's another word that's translated um, merrymaking or celebrating. It really means partying. It's found six times in the Gospels. All six times are in the Gospel of Luke. And there's another thing that I noticed that happens. There's something that happened to two people in the Gospel of Matthew. They happened to two people in the Gospel of Mark, to one person in the Gospel of John, and to six people in the Gospel of Luke. And that is, there were six people who found themselves in various occasions and for a variety of reasons, for six different reasons, found themselves at the feet of Jesus. 
And so apparently the feet of Jesus, there are secrets to joy there. And so I thought for the rest of the Sundays of Lent, I just wanted to talk about different people who found themselves at the feet of Jesus and why. And so the first one, the first person that just made sense for me to think about was the person that Alex read about, like that there, that in, in Luke chapter 17, there were 10 people and they were, um, they were lepers, which it's a difficult thing. It's something that like research has done so, made so much massive progress on. In this century, there's, there's only 20, about 200,000 people who are infected with leprosy in the world today. But there was a time when it was just, it was just a massive thing. And leprosy is something, it's something that started, that starts small. It's, it starts microscopically. It's caused by a bacteria, the bacterium leprosium, and, um, but it grows. And in biblical days and in the developing world, like in India, um, it caused, it caused people to be, according to like this, I guess you would say the standards of their society, to have a certain, it caused them to, I don't really know how else to say it, but according to people in their world, it caused them to be ugly. Like there was a, like leprosy, the, it's a bacteria that attacks warm places in the body. So like they would always lose their eyelashes, their eyebrows and the cartilage in their nose. So their noses would disappear and they would just have a big hole in the middle of their face and their ears, would, the cartilage in their ear would, would disappear and they would lose their fingers and they would lose their toes. And they would be, because of what it meant, they would be scary to people. And there was just an ugliness about it. And it caused people to be isolated. In Leviticus chapter 19, it says that when a person, would, when it became evident that a person had leprosy to you as a person, your number one responsibility was to tell everyone to stay away from you, to get away from me. Like what if that was like the will of God for you was to tell everyone to get away from you? Because I mean, it's one thing to be alone because you're planting a flag on the moon or you're trying to set the world record for rowing a boat across the Atlantic Ocean, but it's another thing to be alone because people think you're dangerous and gross. That one of my favorite people in all the world is, um, Dr. Paul Brand was a person, he was a person who spent a third of his life in England, a third of his life in India, and a third of his life in the, the biggest leprosyum in the United States in Carville, Louisiana. But he discovered um, all, tons and tons of procedures and cures for um, leprosy, but he spent, he and his wife spent as much of their energy developing procedures that helped um, people in India with leprosy because it was such a social stigma to overcome the physical disfigurements because so that they could feel like they could fit back in society because they were so isolated. They developed a procedure where they took uh, patches of their scalp and did these long and complicated skin grafts to replace their eyebrows because to not have eyebrows was such a stigma. But he told them after it was completed that they would have to trim them because your scalp grows at a different rate as your eyebrows. And they were so happy to have them that they never would. And their eyebrows would grow down like over their cheeks, you know, and that, and like their noses, he discovered that it wasn't that lepers lost their nose, they just lost the cartilage. And he made a plastic prosthetic that you could insert up under their gum. And, it would, and 
you would have your nose back and they would be able to pick their nose. The, I mean, not pick their nose, but you know, you can pick your friends, you can pick your nose, but, but they would be able to pick which prosthetic they would want and they would always pick the biggest one because they were so happy to have noses, noses again. But, um, but he was the one that also, dis he discovered the, a monumental discovery that leprosy, that the leprosy bacteria, what it was, was really, it attacked nerve endings. And so, the, so that in Indian society, not only were lepers considered ugly and isolated, but also unfeeling, like they, they couldn't feel pain. The reason lepers went blind is because they didn't have the impulse to blink when their cornea dried out. Like if you didn't blink for 45 seconds, you'd be like screaming, but they never felt that. Sometimes they'd sleep with their eyes open and their eyes would just dry out and that's how they became blind. They had to put cats in the leprosyum in India because rats would chew people's toes off at night and they wouldn't even feel it. It's a lack of feeling any pain. And so they were, they were in the view of people that lived around them, they were considered ugly, isolated, and unfeeling. So here were these 10, they lived together because they couldn't live with anyone else. And I don't know where they had heard, maybe there was a leper in Mark chapter one who just got so de desperate that when he heard that Jesus was passing by, threw himself on his knees in front of Jesus and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. If you, if you, if you would, I know you could, I know you can, I don't really know if you care. And Jesus was like, I do, and he touched him and healed him, and maybe he was the guy that told him, if, if Jesus ever comes near you all, that's your shot, don't throw it away. And so they just started, when they realized that Jesus was passing through there, they just started yelling, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And I know that like the impulse of his heart was just to run towards them and just group hug all of them. But if he took a step, they would all run away. So he just said, go and show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifice that Moses prescribed. And so they just did, they just started walking off and I don't know how it happened, but they were all instantly healed. Maybe one of them stubbed his toe and he's like, oh, I stubbed my toe. I've got toes, everyone, you know, and it's just like, you know, and they just like hugged and danced and maybe one of them said, you know, I, I love hugging and dancing you all, but I haven't had any sugar in 14 years. I'm going home, you know, and then, and they all just went their way and there was only one who stopped and he turned around and he ran back to Jesus and he fell at Jesus' feet, at the feet of Jesus, thanking him. And, and Jesus said, well, where's everybody else? And he's, and I would have said, they're doing what Moses said to do. They're doing what you said to do. Yeah, but nobody has to tell you this. Like Jesus heals you and somebody has to tell you that you need to thank him. The word for thank is an old German word that's related to the word think. And the word think is an old German word that's related to another German word that's the word, duh, duh. I mean, thank Jesus. Come on now, just think about it. And they were, um, and Jesus said to him, your faith has healed you, um, go in peace. And it's like, his faith had, had healed him, but I thought all 10 of them were healed. I, I thought he already had been healed. And I get the feeling that Jesus is saying to him, 
Yeah, but you've been healed at a deeper level. Um, you've been healed in the heart because um, one thing I've understood from the scriptures is that there's something like leprosy. A leprosy of the heart that everyone is born with. It's, it starts small, but it grows. And it makes people ugly and isolated and unfeeling. There's a place in the book of Romans chapter one. I was telling the guys out the prison. I always, I've told you all this a million times, but, but and I, t I tell it to them about every other time. It's a story that I tell them because I want them to hear it again and again and again because maybe one day they'll need to repeat it to somebody and they'll be able to do it. But, but the, the book of Romans is where Paul, like it was, he was writing to people he didn't really know that well. And he said, I, I wanna make sure you guys have the basics of the good news. I'm not ashamed of the message I have. Like it's, it's an awesome message and I wanna make sure you know it. And so I'm gonna tell it to you again that we do have a message. It's a great message. And I, tell, I told him the story about two guys who came to our porch one Sunday afternoon and they were gonna to try to get me to dump my religion and join their religion like on my porch. And I said, so what is your message? And they were like, what? Like, what is, you have a message. So let's say I'm sick, like I'm super, super sick. And I've been terrible. I have been a terrible person and I wanna be forgiven of my sins and go to heaven, but I'm so sick, I have one minute to live. You have one minute to tell me what I need to know, to be forgiven of all my sins and to go to heaven. They're like, well, I'm, I'm, you can't do, I mean, you can't do that. It's like, it's more complicated. There's a lot to this. I mean, there's a lot you need to learn. And I, you got 33 seconds there, boss. They're just like, well, no, I mean, you go, it's just, I'm dead. You know, I said, but I could do it. I could do it to you, ready, go. Almighty God loves us. But we have made a total disaster of this. We've all done and said a million things that are horrible and our heart is hopely, hopelessly polluted. We could never pay for the things we've done. We could never cleanse our own heart. That's why Jesus came. Almighty God became a human being to teach us how to live, to show us how to live. Nobody's ever followed either one of those. He came primarily to pay, dying in that horrible way for everything we've ever done. And he rose from the dead and offers to whoever wants it, based on his death and resurrection, a complete forgiveness of everything they've ever done, do, or will do in an instant. That's a new start, but he also offers you a new heart, a place in his family, and a place in his home forever. It's a gift. All you have to do is say, I need this. I want it. I'll take it. Amen. I have 27 seconds to sing a song while you decide what you're gonna do with what I just told you, you know? But so that, but that is his message and he's gonna to get to that like in Romans chapter three, starting in verse 21. But up from chapter, from verse one, chapter 18 to chapter three, verse, uh, verse 20, he said, I need to tell you some bad news. The bad news is you really need this good news. And he starts to talk about what, what is wrong with everybody and why people's homes are full of, hurt and hate and why the world is full of hurt and hate. And, and he starts out in saying in, in verse 18 of chapter one, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because what you could be known about God is, is clearly made, it's clearly known by things that are made as eternal power and divine nature so that without excuse, because even though people have known God, they didn't glorify him as God and they weren't thankful. Ingratitude. It's a leprosy. It's, 
bacterium ingratitudinum. It starts small and it grows and it's made people ugly, isolated, and unfeeling. I mean, I think about how ungrateful like I've been. So I didn't know the sun was so amazing. The sun is completely amazing. People said the sun's just an ordinary star. It's not an ordinary star. It's in the top 10% of the known stars of the universe in luminosity and heat. It's 27 million degrees. We are 93 million miles from it. It's the perfect distance. If we were five degrees further away, we'd all be frozen to death. If we were five degrees closer, we would be in tidal lock mode, which means we would be locked in on it, and the front half of us would be burned to death, the second half of us would be frozen to death. The, the light that comes from the sun is the perfect combination of red and blue light to make photosynthesis. Most planets don't have light like our sun does. The reason blue light is shorter waves, it refracts more when it hits the atmosphere, that's why the sky is blue on a beautiful day. It's the perfect color, you know, perfect moon, perfect sun, perfect world. And God's idea was to make us in this world with needs that we have. And he supplies them in beautiful ways. And we just thank him, thank him for the way he's cared and loved us. And we love him more. And a love relationships just grows and grows and grows. Think about food. He could have made us so that we have to eat grass like cows. I mean, that would have been horrible because one, it tastes horrible. Two, you have to apparently do it the whole entire day to get enough to live. And, they, and, and, and if you walk in a, in a cow pasture, you realize that the dining room and the bathroom are the same room. It's just disgusting. You know, but he just made delicious food and you just eat it and just so filled with thankfulness. You think about like human reproduction and, the, you know, what God, the way he could have made us reproduce instead. You know, it could have been, I was reading about honeybees and the reproductive cycle of honeybees. It's horrible. It's like a horror show. It's like the queen is scary. She, reading about a queen bee, it reminds me of that, of that woman who's the owner of AFC Richmond on Ted Lasso, you know, like on the first season, you know, just, she gets a lot nicer, but she's kind of scary at the beginning. At the beginning. But, um, but instead, like the way God made us, just in the, in the, the intimacy, the intimacy of committed love and the joy of it and the sweetness of it. And there's a whole book about it. In the Old Testament, the Song of Songs, a young shepherd boy and his, and his, his bride-to-be. And they talk about what they want to do to each other. And it's like, I don't really know why I need to know this. And then, and you know, but then, and what they, and then how there's a place in, on their wedding night, at the end of chapter four, at the beginning of chapter five, they're on their wedding night. These kids, they're probably 14, 13. You know, that's how people, when they got married, that's how old they were. And, and all of a sudden, there's a voice that says, eat and drink, oh lovers. And I'm thinking if I had been him, I would be like, who's in here? I'm kind of new with this. I don't really, it's freaking me out. But it was just the voice of God saying, this is the way I intended it to be. And people just... You know, and, and people just down through the centuries have said it cannot be talking about this. I mean, I know what it seems like it's talking about, but, but it must be about Jesus or something because it can't be talking about this, but it was talking about that and the way God designed it to be and the intimacy, the beauty of committed love and, and the joy of it and how God made it that way and designed it that way because Ephesians chapter four says the beauty and the joy of committed intimacy 
is about Jesus. It's telling us something about Jesus and the love of Jesus that somehow people couldn't get in any other way. And uh, but something happened to all of that. Like in Romans chapter 1, it was an ingratitude in the human heart that started small and it grew. And people began to say, I don't like the way you do things. I don't like the way you care for us. I don't think you're doing a good job of this. I don't want to do this your way. I want to do it my way. And it has led to the ruin of hearts and homes and history and humanity. He, he goes on to say, like Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 1, just look around. And he goes into this long thing about how it's led to sexual dysfunction and sexual disharmony and sexual pain and distress. And then he says, and other things. I think it's like verse 29, maybe through 31. It's just a list. There's nothing else to call it but sins. Just the sins. And he gives the classic ones, wickedness and murder. But he said, you know what else? It's just as, it's the same thing. And it's just as bad. People are argumentative. It's just as bad. They're greedy. It's a Greek word that means they want more. People just want more. Somebody says, I don't want to just rule my country. I want your country. He says, people are whisperers. They whisper about people behind their back. It's the same thing. It's just as bad. People call people names. He said they're name callers. They slander other people. If you don't think they do, I think these midterm elections are coming. And when you hear it, remember, the word of God says that is wicked to call people names like that. He says people are mean. It's just a word that means mean. They're nasty-spirited. They're unkind, unloving, and unmerciful. And it all started small. And it's made people ugly, isolated, and unfeeling. Ingratitude is the mother of all evil. And so you think, well, this guy at the feet of Jesus he was cured of physical leprosy in an instant. And it seems like he was cured of spiritual leprosy in an instant. Could I have that? I think it's possible. I think it's the reason Jesus came. One thing about people when they found themselves at the feet of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, it was for six all different reasons. But one thing that all of them had in common is that when a person fell at the feet of Jesus, it was a way to worship him. And they were saying, you are the almighty God who is my hope. Like one time a guy fell at the feet of down at the feet of Peter and he was like, nope, 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 nope. We don't do this. I'm just a human being like you. 
Twice in the book of Revelation, John fell down at the feet of a mighty angel. And he was like, nope, nope, nope. I'm just a servant like you. But when a person fell at the feet of Jesus, they were saying, I understand that you're almighty God and you've come into our world on a mission. There's a thing, there's, a, there's this amazing thing in the gospel of Luke that Matthew tells in like, like kind of four short, short chapters. But Luke tells from chapter nine all the way through chapter 19 in these massively long chapters that Jesus began to go to Jerusalem. He began to go. So many of the stories that you know from the Gospel of Luke that are unique to the Gospel of Luke happen in Jesus heading towards Jerusalem to do what he came to do. And what he came to do was he came to bear all of the shame and all of the guilt of all of the evil that has come from our ingratitude. It says, in, so that we could have a new start and maybe in an instant if you want it. It says in, in, this, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter five, Paul said that when Jesus came to do what he came to do, when he came to die in that horrible way, he became sin for us. And I think that you could even say he became ingratitude. It started small. It started in an olive grove when somebody that people thought was a friend kissed him on the face. And then Matthew said he was arrested and in just a matter of minutes, somebody spit in his face. And then Matthew said somebody slapped him in his face. And then Matthew said they began to beat him in his face and they beat him like everywhere. And then he said they stripped him and then they tortured him. He was beaten, he was beaten in such a way that their only way to describe it is he became ugly. It says in Isaiah chapter 52 that when they would get done doing to Jesus what they were going to do to Jesus, he wouldn't even look like a human being. I was, you know, I, I was thinking about like that thing. I, I had a little bit of a tough January and a tough February because when I was at that UT Medical Center doing that thing, I saw things that I couldn't unsee. And I think, you know, just to see Jesus, it was like people couldn't unsee that after they see it. And he became like ugly and he became isolated and his friends abandoned him. And he was nailed to a post and to a beam that had been nailed to a post. And the reason that they crucified people was to isolate them. It was a way of saying, this is a person that we don't deem worthy of dying on this earth. And it says in the gospels that after three hours at 12 o'clock noon, it became dark in all of the entire world and in an incomprehensible way that we will, I don't believe, ever understand. Almighty God the Father turned away from Almighty God the Son as he bore the evil that came from our ingratitude. And he was completely and totally isolated until he said, that's it. It's done. Father, into your hands I give my spirit. And he breathed his last and he became unfeeling. He didn't feel anything. They shoved a spear in the side, didn't even feel it because he was dead. <sighs> Ugly, isolated, and unfeeling. 
as he bore all of our ingratitude. It's just that the people who had learned to follow him, who had begun to follow him, they were starting to be healed from their leprosy. They weren't as ugly as they had been. They were starting to become beautiful. They weren't as isolated. They were starting to love people that they had never known before and the kinds of people that they had never really cared about, people they had even hated before. And they were starting to love and love them. And they were starting to, be, to have feelings. And even though Jesus was dead, they had feelings for him and they were devoted to him. And as soon as they possibly could, when it was permissible, they went to take care of his body, but it wasn't there because they discovered that he has risen from the dead. And in a matter of weeks, he would be lifted into heaven where he reigns from heaven. And because he died and because he rose and because he reigns in heaven today, I could be healed from the leprosy of my heart. Like he, he died and rose again so that I could be, I could be forgiven of all the junk that's come from my ingratitude, if I would thank him by taking that gift. But I can also be healed from the leprosy of my heart if I would take that gift by thanking him if I could learn to thank him every, like, so sometimes um, I, I've always grown up with a lot of shame. Like I had a lot of shame growing up. It's just that I've never did enough. It was never quite good enough. Um, I've had a month where I felt that more. I think it was because of being at that UT thing and you were in situations of like, you, what could I do? What can I do? What can I do? And you just have a feeling, I don't know if I've done enough. And I, and I kind of felt that and I hate it because I want to be a joyful person. And I realized the, the, key, the, key, the secret to being healed of shame is thanking Jesus every day day that he died for me. And if I need to do it, thanking Jesus every hour that he died for me, that I don't have to feel that anymore, that he died and paid for everything that I wasn't enough at, that I'm clean, that I'm his. I don't have to feel it anymore. And if I feel it, I know I'm forgetting to thank him, to thank Jesus Christ every day, every hour, if necessary, that he died for me. And if I feel anxiety, if I'm afraid of anything, I need to thank Jesus every day, every hour, if I need to, that he's risen from the dead, that I'm not alone ever, that he's always with me. He's my shepherd. If I'm in a situation that's made me afraid, he took me there. So I don't have to be afraid of it. I just need to remember to thank him every day, every hour that he died for me, that he's risen and that he's with me. And if I feel depressed and if I start to feel hopeless and I feel like nothing's going to change, to thank Jesus every day, every hour if I need to, that he has ascended into heaven and that he reigns over everything and he is making my life a story that is not over yet and that he's working something out and one day I'm going to thank him for it because he's king of kings and lord of lords. And I'm thankful Thankful that Jesus reigns. Thankful that Jesus is risen. Thankful that Jesus died for me. It's a simple thing, but I forget it. And I don't want to forget it anymore. One thing I've learned in my life is 
that the sweetest people I've ever known, the brightest people, the sunniest people, the people who are the most joyful, the most loving, the most beautiful, have always been the most thankful, but the most thankful for Jesus himself. Um, can I tell you this one story? I've told you a million times. I've decided I'm gonna tell it every year till I'm dead. But it was this one woman, I love her books. Her name was Ellen Vaughn. And y'all know this, but she went to see a college friend and when the, when the mom was sending her kids on the bus and she said, bye kids, bye kids, be the one. Be the one, mom, be the one. She, and she, they did that for about three days. Be the one, mom. And she said, kid, what does that mean? When your kids say be the one, you say be the one. She said, remember those 10 lepers? And only one was thankful. Be that one. Thank you, Jesus. Um, forgive us for our not being thankful to you as much as we should be. Thank you for making us un just Sometimes I thank you for the... Ugh, the stuff I feel that I don't like because it reminds me to thank you, to find joy, the joy that I want more than any other thing, just praising you and thanking you for dying for me, for rising for me, for reigning for me. So simple. You took my chains and set me free. You took my sin and gave me grace You took my shame and honored me You took my part, you took my place
You took my part, you took my place 